Hey, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk, and uh, it's another great morning to hear from our pastor. He's going to continue part two of his series related to the culture we live in and our place in it. Uh, it's an interesting culture we live in for sure. Uh, and by the way, that's been true for centuries. Ever since the day that Jesus walked this planet, culture has been at odds with Christianity. Well, today we're going to take a look at part two. Uh, looking as we finish this series in First and Second Peter. Uh, so go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, get a notepad and a pencil, and get ready to uh, hear and listen to not only what our pastor has to say, but what the Lord has to teach you through His Word, as we better understand the culture we live in and our place in it. So let's pray together. God, we thank You that, that You're at work. Uh, you're at work today in the current culture. You've been at work since the beginning of time. You were at work when Jesus walked this earth, and even now in this culture, you are working. Uh, sometimes as a believer, it feels like our culture is such a foreign place, and in reality it is, but it is a place that we live and want to have influence. So help us see your work in our culture and as you work in us to find our place uh, today. In Jesus' name, amen. In recent years, the University of Iowa has been in the news uh, because of how they've treated Christian clubs, Christian groups, Christian organizations on their campus. Back in uh, 2007, they revoked the registration of a Christian organization called the Business Leaders in Christ. These were Christian students who were getting business degrees and so on. And um, the university revoked their registration, meaning they could not be an official group on campus, which limited their access to the resources that all the other groups had, student organizations had. And the reason they revoked their registration was because this particular Christian group required anyone who was going to be a leader, an officer in their organization to agree with their beliefs. And what made that controversial was sexual ethics, that uh, if you were a homosexual, practicing homosexual, you could not be a leader in this Christian organization. And therefore, the university said you are discriminating and you're no, you no longer can be an official uh, student group, student organization on our campus. Well, that went to court and the court ruled against the University of Iowa because there were other student organizations that said you can't be a leader in our group unless you agree with our mission, with our purpose. And the court said you can't discriminate against Christian groups. So either you have to, you have to say no group can require its leaders to agree with its missions or you have to allow all groups and that includes Christian groups. Well, what did the university do? It doubled down. They doubled down because in 2019, they revoked the registration as an official student organization on campus of 32 different Christian organizations because they said they were discriminating on the basis of religious belief and therefore they could not be, could not be groups on campus. Well, they were sued again. And this past July, July this summer, the U.S. Court of Appeals ruled against the university and said they could be held personally liable because they were discriminating against religious organizations, against Christian groups, and they were instructed by the court to stop. 
We could spend a lot of time talking about experiences like that on various university campuses across America because there is this growing hostility toward Christian groups who hold to traditional biblical Christian views, especially in the area of sexual ethics, of, the, of, of gay rights, and, and on and on and on. And so we today are in the second of a two-week series that I'm calling Today's Culture and Our Place in It. We're, we're doing an overview of First and Second Peter to help us understand as followers of Christ the culture in which we're living and how to live in it. What are we supposed to do in this culture? And here's one of the things I want you to remember, and we talked about it last Sunday, is that Christians today are often disliked and, and, and pushed to the side for the very same reasons Christians were often disliked and persecuted in the first century when the church was getting started and the New Testament books were written. Last week, I mentioned that there were three areas where, uh, where uh, Christians were, are often disliked today. Three, three reasons, if you will, that in some circles, traditional biblical Christianity is rejected and not liked and sometimes persecuted. And it's, the, it's, it's really, even though the circumstances are different, the same three areas, the same three reasons Christians in the first century experienced that. One is in the area of morality especially in the area of sexual values and homosexual lifestyle, homosexual marriage, gender identity. We are disliked today in some circles when we hold to the traditional biblical teaching on that issue. Well, in the first century, homosexuality was very, very common outside of Israel and, and uh, that made Christians seem odd to them. The New Testament mentions that several times. A second area other than sexual ethics and morality is the area of the exclusivity of the gospel. The biblical teaching that there is only one way to God and it is through Jesus Christ. And because of that, as believers, we only worship one God. We worship Jesus Christ. Well, the ancient culture, the first century, first century Europe and Middle East was very polytheistic where people would worship many idols and many gods. And when the Romans would say, worship Caesar, they didn't understand why Christians could not do that. Why don't you just add Caesar and all these other gods and other idols to your pantheon of gods and worship them alongside Jesus. But Christians in the first century said, no, there's only one God and we can only worship him. And there's only one way to God and it's Jesus. And they were persecuted because of that. And the same thing is true today because in today's culture, very polytheistic. All religions are the same. Many ways to God. All religions lead to the same place. All religions lead to the same God. A third reason, a third area that Christians today are sometimes disliked just like they were in the first century is what I taught, what I, what I referred to as our personal belief and public behavior. Today, what you'll often hear people say is something like this. You, you can believe whatever you want. But if your belief is contrary to the culture or your belief is contrary to the laws of our country, you need to keep your beliefs to yourself. Just be really quiet. And if the government orders you to do something, 
even if it violates your conscience and violates your faith and violates your religion, you must obey the government. And if you don't, you're going to suffer consequences for that. And so those who, you know, in recent years have been in the news because of their refusal to, to, to decorate a wedding cake, if you will, for a homosexual marriage, a gay marriage, or photographers, and on and on we could go. Well, in ancient times, they didn't understand why Christians who worship Jesus would not also worship these other, other gods. And when the Romans said, you by law must worship Caesar, and if you don't, you'll pay a price for it, the Christian's refusal to obey the law and worship Caesar caused the public to say, you're arrogant, you're treasonous, you're a bad citizen, you're, you, you don't fit, you don't belong. Same thing, same thing today. And so the apostle Peter, Jesus' disciple, in his books in the New Testament called First and Second Peter, and I invite you to open your Bible there now, when he's writing to these believers, he's writing to believers who lived in, in the area that today we would refer to or think of as northern Turkey, and they were being persecuted because as followers of Christ, they, they held to biblical ethics in the area of sex because they believed Jesus was the only way to God and there was only one God and they were not polytheistic and didn't believe all religions led to heaven and because they would not obey the law to worship Caesar. And, and so Peter is writing to them to help them understand the culture in which they live, who they are, and their place in it, how to live, and, and his writing, what, what God reveals in First and Second Peter can help me and help you know who we are and how we are to live, what is our place in today's culture, help us understand today's culture. And so while you're turning to First and Second Peter, let me remind you that last Sunday, we, 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 we saw in here that we are... God's people, his own possession, that we are a holy nation and that the truth is we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so here on earth, even in America, we are aliens and strangers that this is not our home and we are never to forget who we really are. We are always to remember whether we're living in Rock Hill, South Carolina or any other place in this country that we are God's people. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And then we started last Sunday looking at the culture. What does Peter tell us about the culture which they lived in? Because it's essentially the same culture we live in today. Yeah, we have automobiles and they had chariots. It's different, but it's the same. It's the same culture. And, and we saw in Peter last Sunday that the culture then and the culture today rejects both the authority of God and the authority of God's word. That the culture then and the culture today rejects God's moral standards and substitutes whatever the culture feels is right. We saw that last Sunday. And we also saw that the culture then and the culture today mocks, makes fun of those who disagree with the culture. And if you hold to traditional Christian teaching, there will be some today who will mock you and your belief and your faith just as happened all those centuries ago. 
Well, I want us to continue looking at what we can learn about the culture we're living in from 1 Peter and 2 Peter and then wrap this up talking about what we're supposed to do, our place in this culture and how to live. Two more things about the culture then and today. One is this, the culture of this world the culture that you and I are living in is destined. Now listen, God says it is destined to be destroyed and then recreated. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, would you look with me please at verse 7. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 7, the Bible says this, but by his word, God's word, and remember God spoke and created created the universe. So keep that in mind when you read this. It says, but by his word, God's word, God speaks and the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. God tells us that the culture you and I live in, that this world is, is being reserved for a day in the future when God will judge it by fire and completely destroy it. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 of chapter 3 in 2 Peter, the Bible says, but the day of the Lord, that's the second coming and the judgment day. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up, will be burned up. So God says this culture, this world is destined for destruction. So don't be afraid. Don't sell your soul for anything that is going to one day be destroyed for things that don't last for eternity. He continues in verses 12 and 13 by saying, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, the second coming, the day of uh, judgment, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, his promise, we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So God is telling us very clearly that this culture and this world is going to be destroyed. And after the second coming and the judgment, day and the destruction of this culture, the destruction of this world, God's going to give us a new one where there is only, only righteousness. So as you are living in this sinful, messed up world today, keep in mind that this world and this culture will not last. But the things of God and the people of God, they are eternal. One more thing about the culture then and the culture today is that this sinful worldly culture that rejects the authority and word of God, the morality of God, and the truth of God that is destined for destruction, this culture, this world will always have, now listen, always have its own preachers, its own, its own uh, spokespersons, its own teachers, you will, both in the culture and unfortunately in some churches. In 2 Peter chapter 2, look at the first three verses. He says this, false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be also be false prophets among you. There are going to be false prophets, false teachers, false philosophers, if you will, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, denying Jesus Christ and the truth of Christ. 
bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Now he continues in verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality. In other words, much of the teaching of these false preachers and teachers is designed to justify people following their fleshly desires. If it feels good, if you want to do it, if you feel like it's okay, they will, they will find a way to justify it. And he continues in verse 2, And because of them, the way of the truth, the way of the gospel will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. In other words, the culture is going to have people who will justify all the behavior that the culture wants to do. And in today's culture, in modern America, those false preachers and teachers, if you will, are often those who are popular on social media, celebrities and athletes, professors and musicians, corporations, the movies, comedians, politicians, members of the media, social media influencers, and on and on we could go, holding up what God calls sin, something uh, as, as good, these false teachers. Recently, when the CMA Awards Show, the, the Country Music Association Awards Show, the group that uh, won Duo of the Year, I think it was their fourth time to, to win it, the Osborne Brothers, when, when it was announced they had won the Vocal Duo of the Year Award at the CMA, one of the brothers who this past February came out publicly as being gay stood up and before going to the stage, kissed his boyfriend. Celebrities, musicians, actresses and actors, members of the media, all these influencers will find ways to preach the culture's, the culture's value, the culture's message. And, and don't let that surprise you. God said that's how it was in Jesus' day. That's how it was in the first century. That's how it is in our day. That's how it will be in this culture. This culture will always have influencers who teach things that, that, that are contrary to the truth of God, seeking to justify the sensual desires of the culture and the world. So do not, do not be persuaded by that and don't, don't be thrown off by, by, by that. And, and, and sometimes those false teachers are not only in the culture, they can be found in the church. That there are people who, who, who claim to be followers of Jesus and Christians. There are Christian, Christian denominations, if you will, who deny the authority of God's word, who deny the veracity, the accuracy, the reliability of God's word, and instead follow the culture's values instead of God's value. Today, there are, there are some Methodists and Lutherans and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and others who, who say gay marriage is, is good and, and gay clergy are okay. And, and they say the Bible is wrong and they seek to fit in. They, they seek to belong because in the culture, there will always be some who say you don't fit in. You don't belong if as a follower of Jesus, you hold to the teachings of God, the veracity of the word of God and traditional Christianity. That's the culture. Now, brothers and sisters, some of this in America today may seem new to you and me, but the truth is it's not new because the Bible says that's how the culture has always been. It's how it is today. But 
as I move these two sermons to a conclusion, here's where I want to end. What are you and I supposed to do? How are we supposed to live in today's culture? Well, we can learn from what Peter told the believers in the first century because they lived in a culture like ours. Circumstances different, yes, but essentially the same sinful, worldly culture. And, he, and, and, and God told them how to live in that culture. It's the same, same thing for you and me. So, so what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? What is our place as holy people, as God's possession, as God's representatives? How are we supposed to live in this sinful culture that goes astray in so many ways? Well, here's the first thing I want you to see from 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn in your Bible there, 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's the first thing. We are to live secure, secure in our Faith. In chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 5, he says that we are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There is nothing this culture, anyone in this culture, or any government can do to take from you your salvation in Jesus. The power of God protects you spiritually. The power of God protects your salvation. The power of God protects your future, your destiny, you are secure in your faith, so live like it. And that leads to the second thing. In this culture, how are we supposed to live? Not intimidated, not discouraged. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and following, he continues by saying, in this, in this, uh, because you know you're secure in your faith and you're protected by the power of God. He said, in this you greatly rejoice. Okay, I'm excited about my destiny. The, the culture's destiny, the world's destiny is bleak, but mine and your destiny because of our faith in Jesus is secure and something to be excited about. He says, in this you greatly rejoice even though now, see right now, here now, for a little while, because this culture, this life is brief compared to eternity. For a little while, if necessary, it's not always true, but if necessary, sometimes you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, you may go through a season when your faith is tested, but brothers and sisters, because you are secure in Christ and protected by the power of God, you stay true to the faith. And at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the world is going to see reality. It's going to see his horrible destiny and your glorious destiny. So do not be intimidated and do not be discouraged. Rejoice because you know what's going to happen and you know that you are going to be okay chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he tells us even more starting at verse 19. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, because you're going to obey God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. When the culture hurts you, when the culture rejects you because in good conscience you obey Jesus, when the culture says, hey, why don't you do something different? That finds favor with God. He says in verse 20, For what credit is there 
If when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience, hey, you suffer because you did something wrong. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Brothers and sisters, when the culture doesn't understand you and, and, and makes you suffer in some way because you stay true to God and to the truth of God, when the culture is wrong, you find favor with God when you stay true to Jesus Christ. And I'd, I'd rather find the favor of God than the favor of man. I'd, I'd rather have eternity in heaven than just a few years on earth. I'd, I'd, I'd rather know my destiny is secure and glorious than to realize that my destiny is dark and it's, and it's, it's doomed and, and it's not anything to be excited about. So stay true to your faith. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I was in a meeting with some pastors and one of them was telling us about his son who all the way through high school was a straight A student. Never got any grade less than an A. And now he's in college and he was taking a class at a major university. And he had to write a paper on sexual ethics, especially as it relates to homosexual issues and, and, and gay rights and, uh, and, and so on. And so he wrote his paper and, and he took a Christian perspective, a Christian view, and he even quoted some Bible verses. And when he got his paper back, the professor had given him an F. The only one he'd ever gotten in his life. And he spoke with the professor and, and the professor said that his, that his paper was too narrow and he needed to rewrite it. And if he would, he could get a different grade, but he needed to rewrite it and leave out all the Bible verses and just use secular sources. You know, just go and Google it. There's all kinds of secular information out there and rewrite your paper only using se uh, secular information and 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 this student told the professor and I thought it was kind of funny he said you can keep Google I'm going to keep my faith don't be intimidated brothers and sisters don't be discouraged because it's better to have favor with God than any university professor Another thing that Peter tells us about living in this, this, this struggling, messed up, sinful culture and world that is destined for destruction is you remain different morally, ethically. You remain godly even when the world is pushing you to do the opposite. And, and 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verse 14, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. Most of these people Peter's writing to were saved as adults. Remember, it's the early years of the church. And so they came out of the Roman culture. They, they, they came out of the, the culture of the world and they, they had lived like the world. They had, they had been part of that culture and now they were saved and they were living differently. And he says, as obedient children, children of God, the time passed when, 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 when you were not followers of Christ. That was all the time in your life you needed to follow the lust of your body and the lust of the culture and the lust of, you, of, of the world. Now, now that you're connected to Jesus, now that you're followers of Jesus, he says in verse 15, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because as it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy.
God says, before you became a follower of Jesus is all the time in life you need to live like the world, like the culture, that now you are to live like God. You are to be morally different, morally pure, holy as children of God. There's another thing. We are to be good citizens. Good citizens. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, look with me in at verse, uh, verses, uh, verses uh, 13 and, and following in 1 Peter. Chapter 2, verses 13 and following. He says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right, for such is the will of God. Listen. You and I as Christians are not to buy into all the conspiracy theories going around in our world today and think that everything the government is trying to do is evil. We are to be good citizens and support our government. Now, if it tells us to do something contrary to the Word of God, contrary to God, we are to be kind, but we are to stay faithful to God and to His authority and to His Word. But otherwise, we are to be good citizens. And I don't think we help our witness when we think the government is all evil and the government's always trying to you know, get us to do things contrary to God. It's not. Not always. But when it does, stay true to God and stay true to his word. But another verse about that, look at verse 17 of chapter 2. He says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. You see, when you and I have to be different, when we have to confront the culture, when we have to, you know, say the culture's wrong or the government is wrong, there's a wrong way and a right way to do it. And he says here, Honor all people, not some, not only those who agree with you. Not only those who are right, but all people and honor the king. And so when we talk about people of a different political party than us, when we talk about things that the government and, and, and leaders in the government do, yes, stay true to God, but show respect when you speak because God is the one who created government. Be good citizens. And then real quickly, be a good Witness, be a good witness. In chapter 3 of 1 Peter, at verse 15, he says this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. That's what we've been talking about. Always ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. With gentleness and reverence. Yes, we are to explain our faith. We are to explain our beliefs but with gentleness and reverence and too often Christians in today's divided tense culture shout and scream, insult. And God says as we are sharing our faith and answering questions, do it with gentleness and reverence, gentleness and respect. Oh, we need to be reminded of how the first century believers did it so we can know how to do it in our century in this messed up sinful culture. Do it the right way. And then the last thing he tells us is to keep growing in Jesus. In chapter 3 of 2 Peter, chapter 3 of 2 Peter, the very last verse, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus but also grow in the grace of Jesus. When I think about Jesus, I think about how he dealt with people. 
And the people he was harshest with were religious people, not secular people. Religious hypocrites and religious phonies. Those who were sinners, he showed grace. So grow in the grace of Jesus. That's what we were talking about a moment ago, sharing our faith and answering questions with gentleness and with respect. Grow in the grace of Jesus, but also grow in the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of truth. Someone that only recently I've come to you know, read about and hear that I'm growing in respect for is Rebecca McLaughlin, a Christian author with a PhD from Cambridge University, writes on apologetics, not from the perspective of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, but today's perspective. And I think she's doing a really, really good job. And, and, and in some of her writings and talks, she summarizes the arguments of secular people today against Christianity here in America, at least, or in the, the West. And, and she'll say that sometimes, you know, the, the secular argument against Christianity today is that, you know, back in the 50s and the 60s, the church and Christians were on the wrong side of history when it comes to segregation and racial issues. And so in the same way today, you're on the wrong side of history when it comes to gay rights and, and gender identity and so on. And, and, and they use the failure of the past as a reason not to listen to anything we say today. And she makes an interesting point. She says the issue is that in the 50s and 60s, it's not that some, because not all were, it's not that some, especially in the South, some were on the wrong side of history. It's that those, those were on the wrong side of the Bible. They were on the wrong side of God's word. And, 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 and because they were, we're still paying for it because it makes it harder for us to be a witness today. It gives people an argument to use against us today. Can you imagine if our forefathers had been on the right side of God's word, which says that all people are created in the image of God and God's people in the South had not supported segregation, had not supported racism, had not supported slavery, how different, how different our witness would be today. You and me today, Let's not make the mistake that our parents and grandparents and those who came before them that many of them made when they were on the wrong side of the Bible. Let's be on the right side of the Bible so that for our children and grandchildren, it can be better. And so whatever the issues, whether it's sexual ethics, racial issues, let's be on the right side of God's word, but do it as we saw in Peter with gentleness and with reverence, honoring the leaders even when they are wrong. You and I today have a choice. We can listen to the culture or we can listen to Jesus and his word. We, 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 we cannot do both. But we need to learn how to listen to Jesus and his word living with kindness and humility, showing respect and honor instead of being angry, belligerent, and always condemning everybody else. Our culture is sinful. Always has been, always will be. We are to live as light, not only knowing the truth, but living it with the right spirit and the right attitude. 
What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you right now? Get on your knees and pray. And dear follower of Jesus, ask him to fill your heart not only with the truth of Jesus, but with the grace of Jesus. And he will use you in this culture. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.